Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, this is John Lee Dumas of EO Fire and welcome to Master Leadership. Great leaders ask great questions and this podcast takes you on a journey to master leadership with questions that matter to leaders who matter with your host, Lily Sinabria. Hi, this is Lily, and welcome to Master Leadership Through Crisis series, where we will connect with leaders worldwide to gain insights on important questions to help us navigate through rough waters. If you would like to participate as a guest, or if you have a question that you would like to ask a guest, go to masterleadership.org for more information. Dr. Philippe Buissou has developed a new methodology to cut the Gordian knot and deliver sustained growth. It's a universal data-driven and prescriptive approach to accelerating any business, regardless of its size, location, or type of product and services it sells. It is based on the profound insight that maximum growth can only be achieved when the business and its target market are perfectly aligned, just like fine gears between the two plates of a mechanical watch. Dr. Buissou will tell us about this new approach, why it matters to you, and will talk about his best-selling book, Aligning the Dots, that was recently published and that brings a clear answer to the Monday morning question, what do I do to grow my business? Our interview will begin right after messages from our sponsors. Are you looking for a way to promote racial and social justice in your work setting, but aren't quite sure what to do or how? As a leader, you know there is more that can be done, but it seems overwhelming. If that describes you, join Dr. Jean Ladding and her expert team in the Pathfinders Membership Program. They provide you with knowledge and skills in a supportive community on how to champion change using work that is grounded in research. To learn more, go to leadingconsciously.com forward slash pathfinders or email info at leadingconsciously.com. Welcome, Dr. Philippe Buissou. How are you? I am doing very well. Thank you, Lily. How are you? Great. I'm so happy to have you on our podcast. Are you ready to point to our listeners? I am ready. Awesome. <laughs> All right. So tell us a bit about your path to leadership and what you're doing now. Well, my path to leadership is really a 31-year journey that started in Paris and ended up in Silicon Valley here. I am an entrepreneur at heart. I really like to take an idea and a concept and try to transform that into a successful business, generating revenue and having happy customers. I don't really get up in the morning thinking about leadership. I get up in the morning wanting to achieve a goal, a mission, to do something that's significant and that will impact people's life one way or another. You know, I failed many times, which is a great learning school. I, you know, sometimes succeeded and luck played a role for sure. But I've also been on the other side. I've been a venture capitalist and I've been investing in companies, you know, so looking at the business from an investor standpoint. And, um, you know, I served on 20 boards. I'm serving on two boards right now. And I've always liked the idea of helping entrepreneurs, bringing some of the things I've learned, lessons, and try to help them within their own entrepreneurial journey. So that's what I like to do. 
So a couple of key phrases that just stood out for me is that you want to achieve goals that impact people's lives. That's mm-hmm. leadership that's influencing people. Mm-hmm. You also yes. said you're a venture capitalist and you've been on several boards. So you know from that perspective, how important is leadership in an organization? I think it's critical. I mean, my definition of leadership is convincing and convincing is the right word. It's not about forcing or imposing, but convincing a group of people to act together, to do something to achieve a common goal. So that means you need to have a goal, you need to have a clear goal, and then you need to go to people and they need to be convinced that they will trust you, that they will act to reach that goal and that there is something in it for them, that they believe in the cause and in the why. And so CEOs who are not great leaders are simply not successful. I mean, they could be lucky and be successful for a moment, but I don't think you can build real sustainable businesses if you don't have those traits, if you don't have those characteristics as, as a human being. And by the way, the CEO, as an investor now, they have to convince me that I'm going to write, you know, a 5, 10, 20 million dollar check into their business. So leadership works also by interacting with the investors and the board. They have to convince the board that the directions they are taking the company to is the right one. And that's another aspect of leadership that's not only focused on the employees and the stakeholders within the enterprise, but also focusing on the external stakeholders, the investors and the customers and the partners and distributors. All those groups of people have to be following the leadership as well. Yeah, so well said. And that falls under the umbrella of influence. You're right. John Maxwell Mm -hmm. says leadership is influence, nothing more, nothing less. Unless, of course, you're an influencer on social media, that doesn't make you a leader. Well, it doesn't make you a leader, but people have to follow you. They still have, if they don't like what you do, then they will stop. So there is a form of leadership there if you want to continue to grow and be successful. That's right. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Now, you know, we're recovering from the COVID-19 pandemic. Mm -hmm. What have been some practices that you have put in place or maybe some quotes or advice that has helped you most during crisis? You know, I spent three years, I worked at Apple, and the last year I worked directly for Steve Jobs. And there are three key lessons I learned from Steve, but two of them were very useful to me through the pandemic time. The first one is, you know, don't be focused. You have to be hyper-focused. And Steve, to me, is one of the most focused person I've ever met in my life. He was extremely, extremely obsessively focused on things. And the pandemic, it was very easy to kind of panic and look around and, and say, well, what am I going to do? And the world is changing and, I'm not gonna, and it's not going to work anymore. It's like, well, go back to the basics, go back to being focused on what you're good at, why customers buy your product or your service. Just go back to focusing on this and the form of interaction will change, but fundamentally the value will be the same. And, you know, the second lesson I learned at Apple, which is that simplicity is really key to success. We as human beings, for some reason, tend to make things more complicated than they really are. And, you know, going back to the basics and simplifying your business, because now I don't have meetings to go to anymore. I cannot be on a plane. So automatically that forced people to have, in a way, a simpler mode of interaction. And I think that that simplicity really helps some businesses realize that, hey, you can be successful without being on a plane and without meeting face-to-face. And you can be successful using Zoom as a communication method. And you can even have group meetings and constructive discussions. That's the second advice that I've been following from Apple, which is just make things simple. Just go back to the simplicity. Don't overcomplicate things. I love that. Now, what did you do at Apple? 
Well, I actually studied a group which is called the Worldwide Internet Commerce Group. And the idea was that we should be selling direct over the internet. Now, that was a while ago, it was 97, 98. And at the time, the idea of buying a Mac on the web was perceived as a crazy idea, mm-hmm. which probably was, but I was convinced it was critical for the company to do. So I went to Michael Spinner, was the CEO, and then Gil Emilio, and I said, we need to sell direct over the internet. And they both said, you don't understand the business we're in. We're in the business of pallets. We built 10,000 units of a Mac in, in Ireland in Cork. And we put that on a boat and we developed those pallets of computers on the back of the warehouse of our distributors. And I was like, well, I understand that, but if I'm in Oklahoma City, why can't I just go and buy a Mac directly from Apple? Why do I have to go to CompUSA or another store or online? The idea was very unpopular. And he was like, no, we're not gonna compete with our channels. We're not gonna sell direct. That's not our business. And then in 97, we bought Next and I met with Steve and he says, well, what do you do? And I explained to him, I said, it's really critical that we sell direct over the internet. And he thought that was crazy. But very quickly, he understood the idea of connecting and having an emotional connection with our customers, which we never had before. The gross margin would be higher. Uh, We would not compete with our channels because we would be allocating the first units to them and then we would not compete on price. And so he got that very, very quickly, and he was very supportive. And we launched after. I had a boss who gave me the budget and the team to do it before we bought Next. I had no idea we would ever buy Next or Steve would be the CEO. But anyway, Steve very quickly embraced it. He was behind it, and I managed it to about from zero to 350 million. And then my newlywed wife, you know, sat me down one night, and she said, well, you have a choice to make. We were married for about six months. And I said, well, what choice? She said, well, you either stay married with me or you marry Steve, but I'm not going to go on like this. And um, I looked at her, I said, you're absolutely right. And I resigned a week later and we've been happily married for 27 years now. (laughs) That's a good thing because you did shift. You've shifted big time. Now you have your own. Yeah, and I had no hesitation. I mean, I knew it was the right thing to do. I mean, Steve was a remarkable person. If you ever wonder, by the way, Lily, how I lost my hair, now you know. (laughs) Oh my goodness, that's a great story. Now, um, you have your own organization. Tell us about that. Yeah, so now I'm running a management consulting firm, which is based here in Palo Alto in, in, the, in the Bay Area. And we are obsessively focused on one thing and one thing only. We help companies grow faster. So it's all about how do I increase my revenue? How do I bend my top line? And we typically work with companies that are doing a few million dollars in revenue up to hundreds of millions. We have a few clients that are over a billion dollars. And we do it in a very unique approach and a very unique way that uh, nobody else, as far as I know, is actually doing. And you are the master of suspense because (laughs) you have to tell me, how do you do it? And also tell me about your company and how can I connect with you? So in 2014, I had a big insight, which was if you want to grow a business as fast as you can, compared to the market that you're targeting, so the growth is always relative to the growth of your market, right? If you have a market growing at 10%, and you're growing at 5%, then even though you're growing, you're losing market share. So it's not a good thing. So what I realized is that the maximum growth rate can only be achieved when the business and its target market are perfectly aligned. So if you think of a mechanical watch and you misalign the gear, yeah, maybe it will continue to work, but it will slow down and eventually it will stop ticking. The business is the same. If you misalign, it would slow down. They're not going to grow as much as they can. And then they will become irrelevant and they might even die. So then the next question, well, what does that really mean to 
align with your market? Can I actually measure how well am I aligned? How do I define it? And then I had a second insight, which is there are four axes of alignment that are absolutely universal between a company, between a business and its target market. And so I can take your business, I can take Tesla, or I can take a cafe on the left bank in Paris. It applies the same way. And let me describe to you quickly what they are. The first one is that the pain of the customer and the claim that the business is making, those two things have to be aligned. So if you come to me, Lily, with a headache and I show you a stomachache pill where your pain and my claim are not aligned, you will never buy my pill. The second alignment is that the way my claim is expressed, which is my message, and the way you understand my claim, which is the perception, those two things have to be aligned. So imagine I have a pill for your headache and it costs 99 cents, you'll be gone in 10 minutes, but I describe it to you in Korean, assuming you don't speak Korean, you will look at me and say, what the heck is this guy talking about? And you will not buy the pill, even though it's the perfect pill for your headache. That's the second axis. The third one is the way customers want to buy the product and the way the product is sold in the marketplace, those two things have to be aligned. So if I say, Lily, you can get my pill, but you have to fly here in Palo Alto to get it, you're going to say, well, wait a minute, I'm in New York. Why can't I just walk down the street and go to the pharmacy and get your pill? So that's the third axis. And then the fourth one is my favorite one. I actually stole it out of the Apple playbook. So one of the other lessons I learned from Apple, from Steve Jobs, and in fact, it's interesting because I learned it after I left Apple, was that I came to the realization that there is one and only one single business on this planet. And that unique business is the manufacturing and delivery of delight. When you buy a product, you have a delight expectation in your head. As you consume that product or that service, that expectation has to be met. There cannot be a mismatch between what you expect and what's delivered. So the expected delight from customers and what the company, what the business delivers have to be aligned. So the four axes of alignment, again, to summary is one is the pain and the claim have to be aligned. The message and the perception have to be aligned. The purchase and the sale have to be aligned and the expected delight and the delivery have to be aligned. And what I realized is if you perfectly align your business along those four axes, then you will realize the maximum potential growth rate within the market you're targeting. And that's really the unique way to solve the challenge of growth. And that's what the book I wrote is all about. And that's what we're doing at Blue Dots. And so your organization is called Blue Dots and yes. wrote a book. The book is called Aligning the Dots. Aligning the Dots. And the book is actually explaining in more details what I just told you. There's 20 case studies. And it's really, there are also tools that we publish that explain how to measure the alignment between, let's say, the pain and the claim from zero to 100%. So it's a very data-driven approach. And by doing this analytics work, I can then understand what the misalignments are. And then I can put together what we call the growth playbook, which is really what the action plan, if you will, so that it can be implemented on Monday morning at eight o'clock to start growing faster. So this is really great. Now, where can we get your book? Where can we connect yes. with you? So the book is called Aligning the Dots and you can find it on my website, which is aligningthedots.com. You can obviously find it on Amazon and other outlets. And then, you know, the website is bluedotspartners.com. And if people want to connect with me, the best way to do it is via LinkedIn. They can just, you know, find my name and they can just connect with me. Hey, leaders, stay tuned for the rest of the interview following this brief message. If you want to make money and change lives by selling your knowledge online, 
do not launch an online course. Only 6% of those are ever completed. Create instead your own branded app and launch the ultimate learning experience that sells. Passion.io is a drag and drop platform where you create interactive content to sell using your own branded app. Forget any tech hassle. You deserve a platform that makes it easy. You can move your existing clients, you can reach new clients, or you can even swap your online course for something that actually works. Delight clients with downloadable and even live content. You can trigger instant action using push notifications, generate more revenue with single touch payment, and you can stream across all devices. Best yet, try it for free for 14 days at masterleadership.org forward slash passion. Just curious, are you an engineer? I'm actually a physicist by background. I studied physics, I have a PhD in nonlinear physics. And in fact, my PhD is in chaos theory, which I've been using every day, you know, working with entrepreneurs. But it's all about understanding the fact that you cannot predict the chaotic system. You can actually prove that you will not be able to predict the outcome of a certain nonlinear or chaotic systems. And that's a big humility lesson for me that I learned when I was doing physics. It's like, you can't, you don't try to predict something you can mathematically actually prove that you cannot predict it, which is really interesting and exciting. And you mentioned a word that to me is key for leadership, and that's humility. For me, without humility, you can't gain wisdom. And in order to be a great leader, you need to be wise. (laughs) So I love that our words are aligning. We come from two totally different spaces. (laughs) I'm in education. You have such a beautiful mind. But your heart is also, I can feel your passion through the internet and how this is your life's work. I really appreciate you bringing this to us. Now, as a lifelong learner, what are you learning right now, Philippe? Before I answer that good question, the first advice and the first piece of wisdom I would share with humility, which is don't ever stop learning. The brain has to build those connections and it doesn't matter what you're learning but do something different and do something difficult with your brain. And of course, you know, you also have the luxury to do something you like. So don't learn a language that you hate. That doesn't make any sense, but pick a language you like or or learn how to fix a car, whatever it is, doesn't matter. So I love learning. I'm amazed at so many things to learn in this world. And the more I realize, the little I know about everything. What I'm actually specifically learning on now is I'm transforming and changing my serve in tennis. So I played a bit of tennis, which I love as a sport. And my serve was fine. I mean, I could place the serve, but the pace, the speed of the ball wasn't high enough for me. So I decided to really understand fundamentally how the the serve works. And I deconstructed my serve and I'm really putting it back together pieces by pieces which takes humility and time and commitment and hyper focus. And it's the only shot in the game that you have hundred percent control over, right? If somebody hits a backhand to you, you have to work with whatever the ball is doing. Well, in a serve, it's hundred percent under your control and the combination of the kinetic chain and the way the muscles and the way it works with the mind is really a challenge. And it's the hardest move and the hardest shot in tennis and It looks simple when you look at Federer or Djokovic, if you watch the final this weekend, but it's really, really hard to do. Another word that comes up for me as I speak to you is curiosity. Mm -hmm. I find you to be incredibly curious. That's very true. 
You know, my background is actually I'm a military brat. So my dad used to move every two or three years. We moved all the time and most of the time in the middle of the school year. And as you move into a place, you don't know anybody. Everybody looks like you're coming from Mars. They don't know you. And the way I was able to integrate in pretty much any situation was by being curious about people and being curious about this new place and thinking of it as a positive thing, as opposed to, oh my gosh, you know, I'm here. I don't want to be here. It's like, well, I'm here. You know, what is it to discover about this place? What are people thinking? How are they thinking? You know, and doing physics, physics is just remarkable. I mean, when you start to understand and then you're really just scratching the surface, there's many, many things I don't understand in physics. But when you start to understand the four fundamental forces and how things work, it's just magic. I mean, it's just amazing. I mean, truly amazing. Well, Philippe, I love that. Thank you so much for sharing. Now, when you think of leadership today, what most concerns you and what are you most hopeful about? Okay, I start with the second part of the question. And it may sound strange, but the most hopeful part I feel about leadership today is actually hope. Because true leaders have the true passion and hope to change things for a better world. And without hope, you know, it's very hard to be a leader. It's very hard to do anything. And there is more and more hopes, even though we're facing tremendous crises. I mean, if you look at COVID and how fast we came up with these vaccines and how fast we're turning things around, I mean, it's just remarkable. And that's because people had the hope that they could cure it or they could at least prevent the disease. And so I'm very hopeful that more and more young people are hopeful. You know, we're facing tremendous issues on this planet, poverty and massive discrepancies between the have and the have nots, you know, the climate change. I mean, there's some massive issues, but at the same time, I see young people, you know, with sparks in their eyes, hoping and wanting to change the world. And that I think is just amazing. The things that tend to worry me most is really people want to be a leader. And I think it's the wrong way to look at it. You don't get up in the morning and says, well, I want to be a leader. You get up in the morning saying, I want to accomplish something that matters, something that's impactful. And by doing this, you become a leader. It's a bit like a CEO who says, I want to build a company because I want to make money. Well, that's not the right goal. You know, the making money is the consequence of success, but that in itself cannot be a motivation. So I think it's the lack of understanding the why, you know, the drive. It's also sometimes the lack of being willing to fail and accepting failure and looking at it in a positive way as a learning thing, as opposed to, oh my gosh, I failed, this is bad. And, you know, if you don't fail, you will not succeed. You have to fail to succeed. You have to learn. And so those are the kind of things that would worry me more on the negative side of the leadership that I see today. And, and also lack of patience sometimes, you know, people just want everything right away. And it takes time, you know, it takes nine months to make a baby. There's a reason for that. And it takes time to build a real business. People want to be successful very quickly without working hard. And I don't know how to do that. It just doesn't work in my world. I haven't seen that. It's hard work and it's patience and it's failing and it's tediousness. It's commitment. It's hard. It is hard. It certainly is hard. And, you know, all that you spoke about leadership is so spot on. It is the reason why. I started this podcast. It's for us to have these conversations so we can collectively, you and I in our conversation and also our listeners collectively elevate yeah. how leadership occurs in this world because we do need that and hope is really important. And we also need leaders who understand what true and effective and positive leadership is. Yeah. 
And so, you know, bringing that into our conversations is super important. Okay, so Philippe, you have an option here. You can take a question from a former guest, or you can share a challenge or struggle that you learned from. You know, I take a question. <laughs> All right. You're courageous too. Okay, here we go. I'm curious. <laughs> You're curious, yes. Okay, so Dr. Jean Ladding wants to know, what's too good to be true that you want to do, but you think you can't? Well, I think it's to try to make people more respectful, to listen more, to accept the fact that other people have different opinions and different views, have different backgrounds. I think that's what I wish I could do, but I know it's really, really hard. And I think it's critical that we do that. And I don't quite know how to do that. I'm trying to lead by example and do it myself, which is not always easy, by the way. But I wish, you know, I could do something more. I could do something more impactful to make people be more respectful and listen to each other and accept differences and accept to do things that you don't think is necessary what you would have done without that advice, you know. That certainly resonates. There have been situations that it has been difficult. Um, mm -hmm. Situations that I've reacted to myself just because I can't believe what I'm seeing. But you're absolutely right. This is something that we need to, as humans, sit with and really grapple with, but also become the change that we wish to see in the world, right? And yeah. continue to be that no matter yeah. what. If you and yeah. I and the rest of our listeners, I mean, there's so many amazing people. If we just continue to be that change, I think we can accomplish really, really big thing. So now Thank as you. a listener of this podcast, what is a question that you would like a future leadership guest to respond to? Well, I think the question is, you know, why are you doing this? What is the fundamental driver and motivation behind what you're trying to accomplish? And it cannot be superficial. It's actually, you have to look deep inside yourself to answer that question. You know, is this an ego trip? Is this because you were maltreated yourself? Is this because you want to be famous? Is this because you want to make money? Well, making money is fine, but it's like, why do you need to make money? And what are you going to do with your money? So, you know, I always ask entrepreneurs before investing any money, I just ask, I said, just be really honest, is why are you doing this? Because it's really hard. And I actually challenged them. I said, you have to be crazy to start a company. You have to be really crazy. You have to be out of your mind. So why are you doing it? And if they don't have a strong answer and a real motivation that I can understand, then I'm not going to invest because it's going to be really hard to build a real business. Um, you get entrepreneurship. We're all yeah. crazy. Well, I've seen so many, you know, and I've seen so many with so many high hopes that failed and some that succeeded. You don't quite know why. It's like kids, you know, and that's what's fascinating. It's like I always think of any company as a child and you love them you want them to be successful you want to bring your support but you don't quite know what's going to happen with them and it's also a limit to what you can truly do and influence them so you have to be humble there as well but with your book aligning the dots it helps us to see it in a framework that can help and live our passions so i really appreciate that now is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners well, I think the secret is alignment. I mean, that's why I talk about it in my book. I think that you cannot succeed without alignment. You know, I would encourage any entrepreneur, any business leader, any CEO, any general manager to really look at those four alignments that I talked about and ask themselves, how well is my business aligned along those four axes? 
And of course, there's a fifth axis, which I actually, it's the last chapter of the book that I talk about, which is the internal alignment, right? So if the organization is not internally aligned, then they will not execute the four external alignments. So I would just encourage people to ask themselves, you know, what is the pain I'm addressing? Who has it? What is my claim? Are those aligned? And, you know, what's my message? How is it understood? And how do I sell? How do people want to buy? And then, you know, the expected delight that I'm selling to my prospects and my customers, are they actually receiving that or not? And just look at the business through those four lenses. And I'm sure they will learn one thing through that process. And that internal alignment within the organization requires good leadership. So um, that's correct. Yes. And I think, you know, you could even apply the book to leadership, which is you could also define leadership by being able to realize and understand those four plus one alignments. And I think if you do that, you're going to grow. And if you're going to grow, you're going to be successful. If you're well aligned along those four plus one axes, then I would argue you're a good leader. Philippe, I want to thank you so much for adding value to me and to our listeners. It's been great. Uh, yeah, thank you so much, Lee. I love your show. I love what you're doing. And, you know, thank you for allowing me to be a guest and share a few things that I've learned. All right, my friend, have a great day. All right, Lee, you have a good day. In closing, here's a quick message. Coaching is the art of influence that underpins leadership in the 21st century. It is the very thing that can get you from being stuck to being extraordinary. So go to masterleadership.org and sign up to get a free coaching session. Until next time, continue to ignite that leader in you.